Am I supposed to be going? Yeah, whenever you're ready. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Such a pain in my ass. <laughs> that was a dramatic pause. That's what they call that. Okay, so happy Tuesday, kids. It's, uh, it's currently uh, 7.08 in the a.m. on the Pacific Coast. Crazy people. Uh, 10, 10.08 on the East Coast. I'm still stretching, getting out of bed. Give me a minute. Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's, uh, it's on Taking Pictures. The weekly photography podcast. Mm. Actually, you know what? It's, it's so funny. I wonder if we should move... I wonder if we should move the categorization of of OTP into like self help. <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? Right. Well, I'll so, tell you. There, I I change it to art, art, visual media, or visual art, yeah, or whatever. It was some. And where was it the other day? Somebody games wrote and in hobbies. And said, the problem is that, where is it is was? that yeah. Well, well, it's in like six different things, right? Because you can choose. Well, three different things. You can choose up to three, and one right. of them was games and hobbies. Figuring photography is a hobby. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think, think it should be visual arts and self-help. Is there a self-help one? Because there is a philosophy one, which is, I think, what I chose for the third one for now. But I'll look for a self-help one. Yeah. All right. I know, it's, I know it's helped myself. Uh, and yourself being. That was you waiting for you to introduce yourself. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, here we go. Uh, so we're, we're talking about creativity and, and, and you know, uh, breaking through those, those things that hold us back. That's, we talk about a lot of that, a lot of that. We do. Which helps me. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and, and, and with me, the, uh, the taskmaster himself, Mr. Bill Wadman. Uh, hi, Jeffrey. Mr. Bill, 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 you getting ready for your rush shows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we got to, okay. First of all, we have a Q&A today. So we have a lot of stuff to cover. Um, apparently. Okay, but wait. What, but go wait. Ahead. What were you going to say? Go ahead. I was, <laughs> I was going to say that apparently we need to have Q&As more often because we got like 700 questions and each of them are six paragraphs long. Yes. Yeah. But first, but first. Oh, we got more? Uh, okay. What do you well, got? Well, I, I was just going to say, I, I wanted to thank everybody that I got a chance to meet up with in, in Portland. Last oh, week. Yeah. yeah. How was How was your trip? Um, it was good. It was good. It was a long drive because we drove up. Right. Um, so it took two days to drive uh, and, and driving through the 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 once fertile central California area. It's it's really gives you an idea of how screwed up the water situation is here. Yeah. Um, there, there are there are areas in South, in Central California where the ground level is dropping by nearly a foot a year because so much is being pumped out of the aquifers underneath, which is bad, bad news. That's that's terrifying, and also the kind of terrifying thing you wouldn't know unless we had GPS doing stuff from satellites. Yeah, it's it's bad news. I mean, yeah. Lake Shasta is down really low, and reservoirs are down, and you and you really see that. They're just. What do you guys have another year left or so? Well, th- see, that's kind of misleading. They say, well, California's going to run out of water in a year. Well, no. Um, th- there are certain, certain types of, of you know, things are going to happen, but we're not, it's not like we're going to have to start trucking in water just to drink. You know. The reality of it is we should have been rationing and, and we should have changed the types of things that we grow here. Yeah, um, it's it's probably not the best idea to grow things like rice and alfalfa, which basically need to be submerged in water yeah, to yeah, grow yeah. 
in a desert. Yeah, you're growing rice in a desert, essentially. Yeah, yeah. not smart. Um, you know, and and we're paying the price for it. So whatever. But anyway, the, so Portland was great. The drive up was beautiful. Um, uh, got a chance to meet with uh, with uh, Preston and uh, Jason Fosera and Dan Hawk and yep. Stuart Coates. Uh, had a terrific meal at this little place called Pepperbox, which uh, was suggested by uh, Preston. Um, it's down on Morrison. If you have not been there and you live in Portland, go check it out because it was amazing. Okay. It's really um, walked around Alberta with with uh, with Preston. had a had a great conversation there. You know, it's funny. The, uh, I, I do love Portland. I think it's a fantastic place. But the whole like. Everything needs to be artisanal and yes, ethical yes. sourced and grown. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. That Does gets it really old. You? It gets old. It gets old. My, it my question with point. that stuff, is it going to be there 10 years from now or is this a blip? I think it'll be there. Uh, for but those is it going to be like hippies 20 years after Woodstock? I don't know. I don't, you know, it's, I don't know. It was funny though because Stuart was, uh, Stuart's in the, in, the, in the beverage industry and was talking about artisanal cocktails like even to the point where it's like artisanal ice where they like it's frozen in a certain way and it's yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. you know to retain the clarity of the water and all that's like come on you know what just throw some ice in a glass put some whiskey over it and slide it down the bar so i can get to work yeah yeah i tend to agree with you you know it's ice come on yep um but it was great i had some great food uh i was i i at at the recommendation of of uh mr john keatley uh, I tried this ice cream place. He said, he said, if you're in Portland, you got to go to salt and straw, salt and uh, straw. I hadn't heard salt of salt and straw. Uh, he said it will change your life. So, uh, after, after having a, a, a Reggie biscuit from Pine state biscuits, which was amazing, you, you build, you'd love this thing, but you would hate yourself after eating it. Uh, the, okay. What the biscuit itself? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fried chicken breast, bacon, cheese and gravy on a fresh biscuit oh it's, mm, that does taste it's, delicious oh it's so good so then after that we go to salt and straw and and uh what did i get it was the i don't know uh almond almond uh uh, uh almond brittle and salted ganache ice cream that salted chocolate little, that ganache. seems a little much it, it was, it was, oh, it was all right. Well, when you come to Brooklyn, we're going to have to go to Ample Hills and you'll have to try a few of those and see how it compares. I, I, I love me some ice cream. Anyway, right. so, uh, how are you? You good? Yeah, good. Very good. All right. Are, uh, are you chomping at the bit? Do you have, do you have something or should we dive in? What no, do you I just, I think we have a lot to get to. So why don't we get right. to it and then we'll, Let's, we'll BS at the end if we need to. We'll, we'll do what at the end? You know. <laughs> <laughs> the thing we do the rest of the time. <laughs> All right, you want to start or you want me to start? You know what? Uh, go ahead. All go right. Ahead. Question first. number one. <laughs> <laughs> Name the top ten reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 100 people surveyed, top five answers on the board. Uh, Jeremy Bryant, let's see. Do either of you believe in the idea that a piece of equipment, such as a camera in this instance, but it could be applied to a musical instrument or other artistic tool, be, could be considered a, quote, soulmate? To clarify, a similar notion that people have soulmates, could a photographer have a camera that suits him so perfectly that it becomes part of their identity and informs their artistic output? Is that something to search for? And he gives a few examples, Carter Brisson with his M3s, B.B. Uh, King's Lucille, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, how do you feel about this kind of thing? 
Oh, and and it possible uh, could uh, could it possibly still make a valuable impact if the new camera forces the photographer to shoot differently and open his horizons? Frankly, I'm just frankly I'm just looking for a justification for my gear acquisition syndrome. Right. Uh, what what do you think about this kind of thing? I mean, other than the fact that a camera is a camera, and if you're a good photographer, you can shoot with anything. But you know, from a larger scale of like what makes you comfortable to shoot with and whatnot. I guess there could be. I I have yet to find that that piece of equipment on on any front is there no brushes that you particularly just like oh god this is what i love using no no the 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 type of painting that i do uh i don't use great brushes because i i tend to destroy them i tend to to really kind of go at them um if i if i had a different style of painting then then maybe that would have a greater impact um but i i use like you know just like the the hog's hair brushes or i use scenic fitches or um i use if i'm doing something like just laying down color i'll use like a purdy uh oval like a two and a half inch purdy oval which is like a house painting brush basically right 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 um and in terms of camera i you know i really like my my x-pro as we've talked but it, it, it's there are some times and it just doesn't just doesn't do what I want it to do or, you know, the ergonomics aren't right or, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, so I've, I've yet to find that thing that, that lets me create. Um, I mean, maybe the closest would be, I don't know. I really like my black wing pencils. I, re- yeah. I really like using those. Yeah. I think, I think there's a few things going on here. One part of the problem is that, photography has become so much more technological nowadays that people don't hold on to a camera for 10 years or 20 years or whatever. Um, I think the other thing is that, okay, a lot of, I've talked to a lot of people who have had things like this. There's a guy um, who was the uh, chief or principal uh, horn player, French horn player for the Boston symphony. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to him and he was a, you know, he's a soloist. He travels around the world. He's like this fancy guy. And I remember he was playing a Yamaha horn and mm-hmm. Yamahas are generally known to be high quality, but not super high end sort of instruments, you know, right. like a really good Yamaha horn. It's an excellent horn. They make excellent pianos. I own a Yamaha, you know, grand piano, um, but they're not a Steinway. They're not a Selmer horn or whatever it is. Right. And I remember saying to him, like, I'm surprised you use a Yamaha. And he said, you know, this is the one that I started using in college and it's what I learned to speak through, you know. Mm-hmm. And I have another friend, Gonzalo Silva, who plays, you know, those old Steinberger basses, you know, where they the headless guitars. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steinberger ones are kind of expensive, though. They're a couple grand or whatever. And he always wanted one of those, but he couldn't afford it. So he bought a Horner knockoff of the Steinberger. So, and he beat this instrument into submission. Like it just, it, he, he played it so much that it became his instrument. And a few years later, he ended up getting, he made a little money on some gig or something. And he went out and bought the Steinberger version that he always wanted. And within two weeks, he's a little crazy. He threw it in a river. Because it wasn't the instrument that he had worked to to submit to his graces, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I guess part of my thing is that I don't know that it's something to search for. I think it's something you just find. Dwayne Michaels, for example, I hear uses an old Canon EOS from the 80s with like a single, mm. you know, 1.8 prime lens, you know? So 
some for some for a lot of people i think it's just it's what you're comfortable with and it becomes like willie nelson's guitar that's all ripped through and stuff right right it 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 it's not that they were looking for that thing it's that that they looked back and saw that that thing existed yeah that makes sense i I mean i i don't doubt that it's out there you know i i I, david sanborn tells the story of of his favorite saxophone and he still uses it is one that he bought at a pawn shop Yes, absolutely. Well, there's another example, right? Like he bought it at a pawn shop. He didn't go to the most amazing luthier in the world and, you know right, what I mean, had right, it custom right, right. made. He probably has a hundred custom made horns. You but know? the one that he loves the most is is this this one that he picked up at a pawn shop and it's been with him for, you know, exactly. 25 years or 30 so years. So in, in answer to Jeremy's question, could it exist even if it's just an illusion, quote unquote, you know? Sure. Uh, I think it could. Yeah, I think it does. I just haven't found it. Right. I think that it does, but I don't think it's the kind of thing you look for. I think that it's something that builds you confidence because it's comfortable. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Can a new piece of gear force you to work in a different way and see new stuff? Absolutely. That happens all the time, too. Sure. Um, So I think both of these things are true. But neither of them are requirements to do good work, I think, is, yeah. is sort of more to the point. It, you know, in terms of, of cameras, yeah, I think lately I've been getting better photographs out of my phone than I have with anything else. Well, there you go. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. all the stuff that I posted from, from Portland was, was On your phone. from my phone. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Uh, Joey Jepson. Hey, guys. Uh, long question. And then, okay. So <laughs> do you want me to read the whole thing? No, we'll go to the end. And if we have to go back, we'll, we'll okay. look. Uh, so this is a long winded way of getting to my question, but have you ever been shooting or writing or painting or sitting and you felt like you needed to just wait a moment longer to say or feel or see or touch the thing that you saw in your mind's eye? Uh, how long did you wait? Did you get to see what you saw manifest itself or are you a shoot first, ask questions later kind of person? I suppose maybe there's enough room for both of these characters inside our mind. What do you think? I would imagine, I would imagine you would say yes. Sure. Uh, I, I don't think it's a matter of waiting around as if like, okay, it's, it's not there. I'm just going to wait until it shows up. But I think that they're the opposite, which is not being in the moment mm-hmm. is a big part of the problem. I think I think that I think that being in the moment as in understanding that you are experiencing something right now and that's okay that letting it flow is one thing. Sitting there thinking that some magic thing is going to come out of nowhere I don't know that that happens that much. He, I mean, he quotes Ray Bradbury up top here in the earlier question. He says, don't think thinking is the enemy of creativity. It's self-conscious and anything self-conscious is lousy. You can't try to do things. You must simply, you simply must do things. It's good okay. To, so, you know, so, so he's getting all you, Yoda about it. What do you say? <laughs> to, yeah, right. Uh, what do you say to somebody like Steve McCurry who will often find an interesting backdrop and then just simply wait <clears throat> for the action to happen in front of it. Yeah. Just like the Carter Bay saw in one of the stairs and the kid or the bicycle guy or whatever. Um, but isn't, isn't that waiting? Isn't that, isn't that not necessarily being in the moment, but waiting for the moment? Yeah. But I also feel like in some ways that example, which is quite literally waiting for something to happen, not waiting for something to happen in your head, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is slightly different. In the sense that he's there, he understands that, we'll, let's say, take the Carter Bryson thing. Those stairs were there. 
He thought they were beautiful, but it was missing something, and he knew something would come around. So, you know, I'm going to wait around, and maybe that something will happen. But I don't think it was, oh, here I am looking at this beautiful vista, and maybe if I just sit here for a while, I'll learn figure out how to frame it better. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's less of a, a thing. I, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting. I mean, I mean, there's plotted probably plenty of times when you've looked at stuff you've written or paintings you've done where you're just like, mm, you know. You, you've got to think on it. That happens all the, you know, having a think yeah, or yeah. walking away from it. That's very useful. Um, I, I think that feeling rushed, which is something that a number of people, I think there's another question further down of somebody who felt rushed, or maybe this is the one. Um, I think that's one of the things that we do. And I think that that has something to do with the whole take less pictures, take better pictures kind of thing. Sure. You know? It's like, just don't, a thousand pictures all the time, you know? Yeah. Pull out the camera when it feels like you're actually going to make something, not just in order to have stuff that fills up your hard drive, you know? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I am not a shoot first, ask questions later, or when I do do that, I feel guilty about it later or hmm. feel like it was a cop out. Right. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I, I, I think there are both of those directions. I think that those things are a dialectic that are pulling in both directions. You know, uh, you, 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 you want to not let the moment pass, but you also want to let the moment present itself. Sure. You sure. And, and, but I think the one thing I like about his question is that what Joey's saying is that it's, is that is it's the experience of it is what he's talking about. And the experiences we've talked about is kind of the best part. Sure. Yeah, the experience of doing it. Uh, Mike Waller. I've been shooting for quite a while, posting a selection of uh, of each shoot on Flickr. Now I'm trying to decide on a portfolio for a website. Last year I had a very hard time selecting 18 images for a gallery show. Finally settled on shots from one location. Uh, what is that, Monaghan Island? Looks like it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Do you have any suggestions or tips about how to narrow or select a limited set of images that reflects a style from a broad, diverse set of images? I think this is a big thing for, say, street shooters, you know, because you may be taking so many different things if you just kind of carry your camera around all the time Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. take a lot of stuff. Uh, Do you have a hard – I mean, even when you're shooting with your phone, do you have a hard time choosing what you actually post? Not really. But I, I'm not trying to uh, create a cohesive set of images. No, I'm not trying to create a style. I, I, yeah. I, I am of the opinion that the style happens in retrospect. So do you think if you have, let's say that Mike's sitting there looking at 200 pictures that he's got to call down to 15 to send in, you know, because he knows which are like his better pictures. Um, does a set like that require an overarching theme? I don't think so. And unless unless a theme was given, unless you know, unless the 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 show is thematic yeah. that you're trying it's, to to choose it's about for. transportation, so we right, got to make sure right. that things have buses but, and cars. But you know, selecting here he's asking select a limited set of images that reflects a style. Well, why are you trying to reflect a style? Why not just choose strong images and let the style emerge? Yeah, because I mean, if Mike took all those pictures, then they probably, by definition, have a certain style. Sure, you 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 made the choice to to fire the shutter. Let yeah. that be the style. Yeah. And on top of that, 
you know, he, he, he probably came home and post-processed them. Sure. Him. You know what I mean? So he's making decisions all along, and all those decisions do kind of come out to a style. I guess the bigger question would be to have Mike, say, pull 15 images, stick them up on the group, say, and see if people feel like they feel like a cohesive whole. Because sometimes I think p- things are much more um, – much more cohesive than maybe you give them credit for as the person staring at them all the time, you know, sort of mm-hmm. like you're, t- you're too close to your work you're right. uh, to realize that they're, they're tighter than they seem to be. Right. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, no. Okay. You? No, I'm good. All right. Uh, William Mathy. Was it be Mathy or Mathay? Probably Mathay. Mathay. Probably Mathy. Two questions, William. Uh, William, two questions from William for William. Uh, series one, uh, how do you protect your work on the internet? Should we become, should we be more concerned about screen capturing at higher resolutions of 4k and 5k monitors? Will you do anything different in the future? Protect your work. I mean, what do you think? I think we've, yeah, you don't, Um, (laughs) I mean, that's the long and short. I, I, I don't know what you can do. You know, yeah, if you're I mean, if you're putting it online, you're subject, right? Yeah. Uh, I you know I, I want my images to look good on a retina monitor, which means I have to put up. I think I put up two two thousand pixels on the long side images. Um, you know, I, I have copyright metadata in them. I have a copyright symbol on my site. I don't do any of that stuff where you turn off right clicking because somebody can always just take a screen grab. Right. Uh, here's the thing. Even if somebody gets your original file, I mean, other than illegally using it for something, there's not much they can legally use it for. It's not like if if you put up a high-res picture of something on your website, National Geographic can just take it and use it without your permission because they have the high-res file. Right. That's still illegal doing what they're doing. Right. So you can sue them for it. So most uh, uh, larger sort of – you know, corporate entities and stuff are not going to go steal your stuff. You know, if Joe Schmo steals your stuff and sticks it up on Flickr as his or something like that, well, you know, what are you going to do? Or, you know, could somebody take one of my 2000 pixel versions on my website and make a small print for themselves? Sure, I guess, you know, but if but they the, really the, like my point, work, they'd probably buy a print from me anyway, or they, it's not like I lost revenue on that, you know? Right. But yeah. at some point, if it's if it's somebody just going, oh, that's that's nice, and and you put up a two thousand pixel image, and they print out a four by five just because they like it and they want to stick, stick it, it in their, their monitor, cubicle, yeah, yeah. Do you care? No, no. I mean, that's that's not that, that's not going to make me eat or not eat this month, you know. Right, right, uh, right, right. I but I I think that as things get better and 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 we do have four and five K monitors, um, they are high DPI monitors are a game changer when it comes to viewing photography digitally because staring at stuff on my monitor feels much more like a print than it ever did. You know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's like looking at your stuff on an iPad or whatever, you know, if you don't have one of these on your big computer. Um, right. so uh, I don't know that we could do anything to protect our work. I think that there are people out there who will give you all kinds of things you can do to protect it and lock it down and make it so it can't be, you know, downloaded. It's, they're going to figure out a way to do it. Right. So why are you making life they, hard? They've got more time to unlock it than right. you've got to yeah. lock it. And you know what? If some art director or art buyer wants to download my two thing to use in a comp and they'll probably, you know, and they may end up hiring me, 
like, you know, I need them to be able to do that, you know? Right, right. Um, so I don't, I don't really think about it that much. Uh, right, what's, uh, what's number two? Part, part two, television content movie makers have started making old work more cheaply accessible through Prime, Netflix, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but they still haven't put the entire John Hughes collection up, have they? No. <laughs> Why okay. can I not watch 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club back to back? Answer right, who, me that, Netflix. Right, anyway, <laughs> they place a premium on access to new fresh content. Music is cheap or free on Prime, Pandora, uh, XM, FM, but they sell in-demand music for $1.30 per song. A competitive edge is maintained by establishing the ability to produce new content instead of milking stale content. Well, that's a loaded word right there. Yeah. I don't know that old content is stale. Yeah. But but I I, I understand his point. But but I, I, I take a little umbrage with that, William especially in the aforementioned John Hughes example. Uh, does this model apply to photography? If so, is anything trending, changing in how art, landscape, nature, street photographers should be monetizing their work? Hey, can I, can I interject for one second? Did you read that article? There was a thing in the New York Times. I think, I, did we talk about it or send it to you? Where a guy our age watched The Breakfast Club with his 15-year-old son to see if it holds up. Oh, I didn't read it. Well, the answer is, of course, it holds up because it's a genius film. It was pretty interesting. Apparently, his son was laughing out loud during the dance sequence. <clears throat> right. Uh, but but he, and he said that while all of those sort of jock nerd whatever stuff are still in, say, high school, it's much less compartmentalized than it used to be. Like everyone is all a little of all of those things. Uh, like I, it's blended I, together more than it used to be. Sure, I would. I could see that. It was just interesting. I'll find the link and, and put in the show notes. It was actually right. really, really interesting. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, how anything anything trending, changing, and how photographers should be monetizing? The I work. will tell you that I am glad I am not a landscape, nature, or street photographer. Uh, a Why? lot of those people used to make their money from stock photography, and that is a huge part of what is say up on Flickr, you know what I mean? A lot of it creative mm-hmm. commons, you know, if, if you need a picture of the Grand Canyon, you no longer have to go to Getty to get it. Okay. Uh, but to, to play devil's advocate, yep. I think some of the work that you've been putting up on Instagram is much more interesting than the work you've been putting up on your site. Okay. But, but people who, but no one's going to buy the stuff that I put up on Instagram. You, but, but they are, that's the thing is, is people are buying work from Instagram and, and the fact that we get to see your eye at work is interesting to me instead of simply seeing more stuff that you know how to do, because you know what? Uh, I'm bored with the stuff that you know how to do. Frankly, okay. I like, I like seeing how differently you see the world when you're out in it. That's interesting to me. Yeah. But, see, but that doesn't pay the bills. Portrait, but so that what? doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, maybe, but, and, it, but it stretches you and that's interesting. Well, okay. That's interesting to you, but, but, and that's fine to do, but I don't think that personally, um, I, I, you know, yes, we've talked about the handful of people who are making money on Instagram or whatever it is, but I, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that supports the, you know, tens of thousands of photographers who have been out there, who were out there as, as, as landscape and street and nature photographers, you know, sure, um, sure. that's, that's a hard business to be in. And that is what people are shooting with their phones. And that is becoming much more commoditized. Mm-hmm. It's real. That's really tough, you know. And I don't mind taking this stuff on my phone, but I wouldn't want to do that. I mean, like, I do it if I see something now. 
but I don't, you know, I didn't take anything the last couple of days because I just haven't seen anything that I liked. Um, sure. But the fact is that you're looking now. Well, I was looking before. I just wasn't taking pictures of it, you know. But we don't know that. Um, see, that's like the tree falls, right? Yeah. The tree yeah, falls and, yeah. and nobody hears it. Did it fall? Well, I, I will if, say. If in, I don't in, know that you were looking because there's no evidence of it. But now that there's evidence that you're looking, I'm interested because you're putting up things that are interesting to look at. Right. But, but that's not paying the rent for people who do that all the time. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and, and I think that's, that's kind of what he's getting at is the sense that, you know, that it, I mean, I, you know, we have – I have friends who used to make tens of thousands of dollars from stock and now they make a couple thousand dollars mm-hmm, a year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that, that market has completely just the bottom fell out of it. Um, so if, if, if you want to be a photographer and this kind of goes down to a, 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 a thing further – a question further down, it's nowadays it's sort of you need to be doing it for somebody for a specific reason. Uh, rather than just being a photographer, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a photographer. I go around, I take pictures, and then what happens? People buy them. Well, in the old days, maybe that happened if you got a stock agency and you were taking stuff that people needed. But nowadays, there's so much stuff out there. A lot of it on phones and whatnot. Right. That 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 sort of sort of general photographic output is 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 a lot of noise, you know, out there. And that's another question further down. Uh, but, but the I, irony I, is that the, 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 the amount of art being purchased seems to have gone up in recent years. Uh, art being purchased by whom? Just by the general public. I, 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 it seems that more people are just buying work. Uh, maybe. But, you know, I, do, I still don't think that that is enough to, to build a career on in mm-hmm. the, for the most part. Not all of us are whatever that Lick guy's name is. What's his first name? Peter. Peter Lick, uh, you know, and even that, I mean, how many HDR esque photos of a lighthouse on the edge of a, you know, end of a rocky thing are there, you know, there's a lot, billions of them. They're beautiful, you know, but I, I think, so I think, I think that it is changing. I think that content in general, I mean, he's talking about TV and music and movies, but I think that that is true of, of, um, of everything, you know, it's like I was telling you before. I, you know, uh, Conrad and I had started watching Gilmore Girls. That's on Netflix. So there's five, six seasons, I think. For and if we let's say we binged and watched it all of in a month, we could watch all of Gilmore Girls for eight dollars. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. that's it's crazy how little stuff is. Where how much would the DVDs have cost us for all of Gilmore Girls? Yeah, twenty five bucks a season, something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's so there is there is a certain amount of. I mean, it go that goes back to the uh, to the what's it called to the um, uh, the Radiohead guy, you know, where it was it was one hundred and one dollars. Oh, by the uh, way, for uh, the Tom York series collection, the Tom York. You know, we need content. It's like, well, right, right. In, instead of instead of distribution being ancillary to content creation content creation is now the ancillary of content distribution sure and that's kind of crazy but we're looking at it from the maker's point of view not from the seller's point of view they probably think it's crazy to look at it this way there's a hierarchy there too are you premium content or are you filler yeah yeah because there 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 is both yeah right there was there was an article on Somewhere where they were talking about these bands that go down to South by to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was some band, say, from around here, somewhere around here. Renting the van, going down there, 
driving down for two days, staying in some house they had to rent on Airbnb for $2,500 for four days because uh, that's wow. the going rate down there right now. It was costing them about $10,000 on their own dime to go play six shows to a bunch of people who probably aren't even listening. Wow. You know? And are and, they are they getting paid for this or no, is this just they have to, no? Oh wow! So wow. you know it's 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 kind of getting crazy, you know. Yeah, uh, and that's sad, but, but I don't know. Um, let's see, Jeff Green. Uh, do you think that we are in any any more or less danger of lesser known photographers' collective work, say Vivian Mayer, uh, being lost now that we live in the digital age? So she was going to, all that stuff was going to be thrown out, but it's far easier for somebody to lead or format an old hard drive than it is, uh, to say, find a box of pictures. Um, what do you think? Uh, I haven't really even thought about this. I don't know. Is I th- it more or less in danger. I don't know. I mean, so many more uh, pictures are taken. So if a billion pictures more are lost, we're taking a billion more pictures. So, you know, are we right back where we started? And how yeah. many how many ph- amazing genius photographers of the century are out there unknown every year, you know? Yeah, but is that that's I don't think that has anything to do with digital. I mean, ostensibly I guess it does because yeah. it's digital photography, but but it's just it's volume more than yeah. anything else. I mean, in some ways you could say that now that phones and all these things are uploading all their pictures to servers all over the place over your life half the time, you know, especially as things go forward, you get more of that kind of stuff, right? Where mm-hmm. these images will be somewhere, you know, and right. maybe, maybe either on Flickr or on Google plus, or, or maybe the, when the person dies, their family will go into their account and, Oh, look at all these crazy pictures on their computer, you know, right. Or whatnot. Speaking of which, you know, I use LastPass for my, for all my password stuff. Right. So I have one big giant long, Password that is my master password. Right. Uh, I remember reading a thing recently that said you should put, you should make sure that there's a way that somebody can get to your master password after you die, because there might be stuff that they need to do, you know, for your in your in your accounts or whatever it is. And one of the things they suggested was give half to say your attorney and half to you know your best friend or your partner or whatever it is. That way, in the event of your death, the two of them can get together, put it together, and get into your stuff. That interesting, yeah, but, on, but it is. But on the other hand, you're dead. What do you care? Yeah, but I'm just saying, if you wanted to keep it yours while you're still alive, but have it available when you die, that's one way to do it. You know. Huh. All right. Um, is uh, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess we are in pure numbers more danger of that happening because there's probably a lot of people who. T- I mean, how many friends of yours have you had who've lost their phones and lost all the pictures on them because they never backed them up? None. Oh, really? Happened to my sister. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that that kind of stuff will happen. Hard drives will crash. Stuff will just get lost in time because, you know, Grandma Baker died and no one looked at her computer, you know? Right. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I think that we are so awash in imagery right now that it's exhausting. Uh, it can be, Sure. On the other hand, it's it's never been better to be inspired because there's so much inspiring stuff out there. That's yeah. that's that's yeah. the 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 the, the but point we get that a lot I'm of, trying to take. Right, but we get a lot of people who see that the flip side and say it's daunting looking at all of it too. You know, because it's all so good. Uh, you know? sure. So it goes. I mean, that's a double edged sword. 
Uh, all right. Oh, uh, Craig B had a follow up. He said, if, 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 does this work even exist if it's not transferred to some physical medium? Can you really consider a bunch of ones and zeros to be a finished work of art? We always say nice to print stuff, but I do believe that ones and zeros are a finished work of art. Your thoughts? I, I really, I, I really prefer the object. Sure, but if somebody doesn't print it out, is it really never existed in the first place? Oh, uh, that's a whole existential thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, tree falls in a forest. Yeah. I mean, is it? Is, is it really there? I, right. I, don't, I don't know. Is, I mean, it, is I can't it just a bunch of electrons to... bouncing around? Right. How many of my pictures do I actually have prints of? Not that many because it's really expensive. <laughs> you know, I can't afford to just print $40 worth of stuff every day, you know? Yeah. So, or where the hell are you going to put them? That's the other thing, man. Storing that crap. I have. Yeah, go, if you haven't seen it, go watch Bill Cunningham. Uh, New York and or even the Saul Leiter documentary yeah. uh, and just look at the amount of boxes upon boxes upon boxes and even people who are organized you know Greenfield Sanders archive that I've been in where it's you know binders and boxes up on walls all in very organized thing all numbered with a with a FileMaker Pro database to look up where you know a specific picture is and all this kind of stuff uh, I was I was saying Joel Meyerowitz, you know, has those huge boxes of prints that he pulls down in every documentary you see him in, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, right. I mean, these you just you collect detritus, and and I will tell you, as somebody who lives in a you know small apartment in New York City, I don't really have room to have drawers full of prints. Sure, uh, sure. Plus, you ever notice like whenever I have whenever I have prints made, unless I really never look at them or never touch them, just the act of having them and moving them around and stuff is damaging the corners. And you know what I mean? It's just, they're very fragile things. Uh, physical prints. Yes. Uh, if you want to just keep them really nice. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I still think they're, they're something without being printed, but, but you know, I'm sure that Craig B disagrees. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Way to throw Craig under the bus. Oh, you don't think that he disagrees? <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe. But they'd have to be in black and white. <laughs> oh, but <I'm>, <laughs> You know what? See, you're just as bad as I am. That's right. Uh, uh, all right. Oh, Weathersby. God, we couldn't well, get you through this without you, Weathersby. You want to do you want to do a sponsor before that? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, we could do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. I need a I need a break before tackling Weathersby anyway. <laughs> uh, we're talking about lynda.com. You want to do a little jingle? Nope. Okay. This episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 non-demand video courses. You, you got something there? Nope, nope, nope. You're Just working little, on it? A little background, a little background. Okay, okay. Uh, to help you learn and strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. That's ambiance, uh, Bill. That's what they call that. Oh, I see. That, that's a, that's a, that's a, yeah, a base track. Uh, for a free 10-day trial, visit uh, lynda.com slash OTP. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash OTP. And, uh, you know, go check it out. Uh, lynda.com is for problem solvers, for the curious, for the people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to matter, master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a new website, boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com and, and feed your curious mind. Uh, some of the courses we I recommend. Have a curious mind. Well, we, we, have, we have some. You do? Yeah. Well, then lynda.com is for you. They've got uh, a bunch of new courses on here. Let's see. Landscape photography, uh, Washington's Palouse region. Where's that? What Somebody who Washington's pa Palouse region. 
Uh, landscape photography, Olympic National Park. I know where that is. I've been there. <laughs> Photographing the night landscape, which is really cool and used to be really hard to do. Uh, uh, Photoshop 25th anniversary microsite with free content. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, that's lynda.com slash 25PS. So go check that out. Uh, black and white project, creating a dramatic landscape with Lightroom and Photoshop with Chris Orwing. Orwig. I know Orwig. Chris Orwig. I know that guy. Uh, and uh, advanced uh, color workflows for photographers with Joe Brandy. This is, this is pretty crazy stuff. Uh, uh, we've been taking uh, Linda's online courses. Uh, we love it. So go check it out. With Linda.com membership, you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about their teaching, stream thousands of video courses on demand, and learn on your own schedule. You can learn at your own pace. Uh, courses are structured so you can watch them from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. Uh, you can browse each course transcript and follow along or search for an answer and skip to that point in the video, which is super handy. Uh, you can take notes as you go and refer back to them later. Uh, download tutorials and watch them on the go, including access on your iOS or Android device. And uh, create playlists uh, of courses you want to watch to customize your learning path or share with friends, colleagues, and team members, which is really cool. So your unlimited uh, lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access. Your <laughs> unlimited. I said unlimited twice. Your lynda.com because membership. Because it's unlimited. Keep, you just keep saying it. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to train on hundreds of topics all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about your hobby, or you just want to learn something new. <clears throat> I want you to visit lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash O-T-P. Sign up for your free 10-day trial. We thank Linda very much for their support of On Taking Pictures and 5x5. Um, I got to go check out some of those other courses. That's pretty cool. Um, all right. What you got? Next. Justin Weathersby. Justin Weatherby. Uh, links to a YouTube video. Oh, yeah. So, this kid being really good piano player. Uh, yeah. If people are not born with the gift, then explain this kid. Well, obviously, he was born with it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Or, you know, or, his, or his parent is beating them off right, camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, four-year-old child playing playing uh, incredible piano. Look, yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to get any argument from me. I think that people are born with gifts, talents, abilities, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I, you know, so, okay, yeah. that's, there's the explanation. I mean, I, I think the, 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 the flip side of that though, is that often the people who are sort of the strange phenom, uh, super gifted people are not necessarily the people who do the most with whatever it is they're gifted at, you know, uh, kind of reminds me there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, okay. Uh, first of all, I need to correct Justin. Okay, what does he say? He says, I think Jeffrey stated that people aren't born with natural a talent, with a natural talent, nor would they be able to practice enough to be as good as Mozart. Those two things are at opposite ends. Number one, yeah. I didn't say that. I do think people are born with it. Yeah. And if you are born with it, then, then there is a degree that you're – I don't think that you can practice your way to Mozart. So if, if, I, if I do believe that you cannot practice your way to Mozart, then I also have to believe that you are born with a degree of talent because that talent cannot be practiced – yeah. Two. My view is that all of that is much more gray and a lot less black and white. And the, the people who are, you know, the, the, there's, there's, a, there's a guy in Outliers who they talk about who has the highest IQ ever tested. He's like this brilliant, super smart guy. And he never finished college and he works as a bouncer at some bar because he never really wanted to do it. So, you know, a lot of talent doesn't necessarily mean anything unless you use it. And 
there are a lot of really smart, talented people who not only just never use it, who just are never the standouts in whatever they do. You know, there's sure. a handful of people. You know, Picasso apparently was really great when he was younger, and he was really great when he was older. But there's a hundred examples that go the other way. So, sure, this kid can really play piano. You know, I went to school with a thousand people who were like this kid probably when they were six years old. You know, um, I don't think you went a thousand, maybe a okay. hundred. I maybe went to school with a hundred kids who were this good when they were four years old, who, cer- who certainly were amazingly good, better than anybody I've ever seen when they were 18, you know? Uh, so it's, it's, you know, yeah, sure. Kids gifted, you know, there's lots of people like that, but will he end up being the pianist who takes the world by storm and changes the way we see piano? Maybe, but there have been a lot of people like him, uh, who, who, you know, burn out, you know, or, or, or are really, really good at mimicking other people, but really don't have their own thought in their head, you know? Well, and maybe it's not that they don't have their, I mean, look, this, this, this young boy is very talented, but I, I would, I would venture that he is mimicking the performances or at least a degree of the performances that he learned the pieces from. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, he's because an excellent at, mimic. Sure. At at four years old, you simply don't have the life experience to bring to the table. It's, it's like Michael Jackson singing songs about losing women. He was seven. <laughs> you know? Right. He didn't really want that girl back. Right. <laughs> right. Seriously. Like, right. there's a certain amount of that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we, before the show, we were talking about that uh, Mary Kane girl who's like this crazy fast runner and she's in high school and, and, and she's breaking all kinds of records. And they say, you know, if she keeps up, she could, she might be one of the best runners of all time, medium distance, female runners of all time. And when she, there's a thing in the article where she was in fifth grade, she was running a under six minute mile in fifth grade when she was 10 years old, you know? So yeah. Does she have something about the mechanics of her body that make her built to run? Sure. Just like uh, the Armstrong guy, you know, has legs that are built to ride a bike, you know, and the drugs to do it with. But um, wow. See what I did there? I do see what you did there. All right. Moving on. Freddie Clark, you have to pick which one of you is Statler and which one is Waldorf. (laughs) Well, I think you're obviously Waldorf. (laughs) What is the difference between the two? Like Statler's the one with the mustache. Okay, then then sure. I guess I'm Waldorf. And, And Waldorf is taller. Waldorf okay. is, 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 yeah. So. All right. I'll go with that. You know, yeah. I was looking up trying to figure if they individually had, had different, like if one of them was crankier and one was more sarcastic or whatever it is, but they're kind of two of the same character. Sure. That are just playing off each other. Uh, I actually did some research on that one. Came up with nothing. Uh, well, apparently Bobby you Tingle. didn't do too much research because you didn't know which one was which. Oh, this is the problem. All right. Bobby <laughs> Tingle, what do you got? <laughs> How do you decide when to throw in the towel on something like this show? Uh, <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, it was really nice. Oh, come on. Throw in the towel. Uh, whether it's a concept, a project, a piece of gear, how do you decide between I haven't given something enough time versus this just isn't going to work? That's, uh, this is a great question. I, I, think, I think we should table this and make a show out of it because I think this is a big okay. topic. I think it's a big, um, good topic. So, Bobby, we're gonna we're gonna table this and and what do you think? Is that okay? Are you okay yeah, with that? Yeah, sure, 
Sure. I, I love this, and I think we could go on longer than 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 we can give it at the moment. So, Bobby, stay tuned. Uh, yeah. All right. Make a note of that. Okay. Uh, Lauren Shin, Bill Wadman, what do you attribute to your financial success of photography? Okay, because fin- <laughs> I, I wrote, I wrote what financial success? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, wait a minute. And, and she wrote, uh, okay, financial success in this case is defined as being able to provide for your basic needs through photography. All right. So, how do you make a living in photography? In today's world, I would say that you need to do some sort of photography that people will hire a photographer for. So. A lot of people do event stuff. A lot of people do weddings. A lot of people do baby pictures. A lot of people do portraits. Um, uh, I think that, you know, the kind of photography you do makes a difference. I think that the market in which you live makes a difference. I think that making relationships with people and, you know, being kind of person that people want to hire. I mean, it's the same stuff in any artistic thing, you know? Yeah, um, I, I think I think the financial side of it gets in the way often. Of course it does. Well, at you a know, certain point, you got to pay for rent, you know. Yeah, but if you're setting out to do it, I, I almost tend to believe that it 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 should be. I don't know. That's going to get me in trouble. But it almost should be a byproduct. You know, if if well, you that's put, a nice fantasy. But I, but I will, but I will. Not, that's a nice, it's, it's no nicer than being able to, thinking you're going to support yourself by taking pictures. That's a fantasy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but, but thinking that you don't have to think about. I'm not saying you don't have to think about it, but. Okay. It, it, it kind of goes back to this idea of, of, you know, being able to make a living solely as an artist or solely making your art is, is a relatively new thing in human history. Yes. You know, but, but we seem to think that, that we're owed this or we're deserved to, to be able to make a living doing only what we love. And, and I, I think that it's, it's, you know, it's a great pursuit, but the reality of it is it's very, very difficult. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. Um, I will say that, uh, I mean, in my own situation, uh, regardless of, of, of what Jeffrey thinks of my work, I like doing the work that I like doing. You know what I mean? What does that mean? Well, I'm saying you don't. You think that my work is boring? I think you. some of it is. Okay, well that's fair enough. But I'm just saying that that I I the work that I make is not work that I make. I don't take the kinds of pictures I take because they're particularly uh, enriching to me money wise. Right. Know? Like I could make a lot more. I could make a lot more money being a high end wedding photographer than I could doing what I do. Um, yeah, but that wouldn't be interesting either. No, not at all. I find what I do very interesting and I really enjoy doing it and I'm I, I'm fine with all of that. So in 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 my case, I guess I uh, like I'm on the lucky side in the sense that I can do what I like and make enough of a living to keep doing it. You know, it. you're you're always on the negative though. I give you a compliment, I tell you how much I like what you're putting up and all you focus on is Jeffrey thinks my work is boring. Yeah, but no, well, I t- t- well, I I take slight offense to the fact that the stuff that I spend a lot of time on and think about and work on, you think is boring, but a picture of a subway seat you think is interesting. I do think it's interesting. Sure. Because to me, it was a for, picture of a subway seat. Yeah, but it's you're looking, you're going a different direction. You 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 doing another corner shot? It's like, yeah, okay, you've done eight hundred of them. So, how sure. much of the challenge is that for you? Uh, it's it's about uh, 
it's a well, first of all, it's about the experience, it's about the people, it's about creating a body of work that feels cohesive. Uh so I mean it's it's about different things. But the point is is that even if I wasn't getting paid for it, I would still enjoy doing the corner portraits. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. so so in some ways um uh, I think I think uh, I'm I'm lucky in the sense that I can do what I like doing and make enough money for it. But if I wanted to do stuff I didn't want to do, I could probably make more money. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. But 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 I make enough doing what I want to do that I am not forced to do stuff I don't want to do. I mean, every once in a while, I'll take a gig where it's like, all right, well, that's money that I really can't turn down because I have nothing else going on this afternoon. You know what I mean? I, I think that I'm not though, proud of, but like you know, I think you would. Uh, if it got to the point where you had to start doing that more often than not, I'd probably I th- do something. Else. I think you would set down the camera. Yeah, because because I came to photography as something I wanted to do rather than something I had sure, to do. Sure, 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 sure. That was sort of the whole point to it, right? Um, so it's it's interesting. It's an interesting question. Uh, I, I but I think that financial success in this case, even if you say that financial success is way more money than I make in a year, you know, like even if you defined it as success, success, you know, like Seliger's success. Um, I, I, I think that it has as much to do with all of the things that have to do with any business connections and making relationships and, you know, marketing and like all of those things, right. Right. That, that are, that are sort of core to building any business. Um, also, uh, are, are true of photography. So, um, so I guess that's the question. That's the answer to the question. Uh, what do you got? Michael Hendrickson. But don't, 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 don't take the way, don't take away that I think everything you do is boring. Cause that's, that's wrong. <laughs> you're going to give me a complex about that. I'm just really glad to see you shooting stuff that's, that's different and stretching and, and, and I, w- I will tell you that like, even if I shot it and didn't put it on Instagram, sometimes it feels like Instagram is a big a place where people go to get a hug, you know? No, that's Flickr. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even like, it's like, you know, I put up five things the other day and, you know, there was like 147 likes on those five things. And I was like, okay, well, uh, you know, so what's I'm wrong glad with that? that? Pe- well, I'm glad that people like it, but I think that you, I could, I could see it becoming a distraction because you know what? Great. I'm glad that people like it, but that doesn't change anything except for some weird thing. So that now if I put something up and it doesn't get a lot of likes, I'm like, Oh, I guess I did a bad job. Or yeah, no but one that's likes on that. you. That's on but you. No, I, I just, that's all that social media fake stuff, you know? Well, you got to make it real, man. Make it real. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Michael Hendrickson. Here's a question. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself defending your business ways to others? <laughs> yes. Why, yes, Michael <laughs> Hendrickson. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, I regularly have to explain myself to friends, family, and sometimes- And podcast other. co-hosts. What? <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> come on. You know I love you. Keep going. Uh, um about investing my money into my photography business versus saving all of the money instead of a balance between the two. Uh, so another question to this, if you had a spare $1,000 come your way and your bills are set for the month, what would your move be? The struggle I have regularly with myself if I'm being responsible or not with finances. Um, hmm. uh, first of all, go read the post with Patrick because Patrick <laughs> talks about this very thing um, and we, we, Bill and I have and, and others have, have given – you know, Patrick, some good natured ribbing over his, his gear, but, but we love Patrick. We love it. And, and 
Patrick does not buy anything on a whim. There, right. there is purpose to all of it. And, and Michael, if, if you're getting something out of it, the gear, whatever, in my opinion, you know, nuts to everybody else, just do what you got to do. What do you right. think, Bill? Uh, I, I think that if you really need the stuff, then I have no problem with you going and buying it. If somebody is buying stuff because they think they need it because they think it's the answer to some larger cosmic question. If I only had this Octobox instead of that Softbox, my pictures would be X. Absolutely. I have a huge problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I did that high-speed photography thing last week, and it's really hard to do uh, without uh, a way to trigger it. So I went out and bought a set of laser triggers. Right. Uh, So I spent money on laser triggers. Do I need laser triggers? No. For this shoot, did I need laser triggers? Yes. Right. So I right. went out and bought laser so in triggers. So that, in that case, the tool justified the cost. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so there are – But it wasn't allowing you to get a better shot. It was simply allowing you to get the, the type of shot that was required. It was allowing me to get the shot that I needed yeah, and yeah, do yeah, repeatability yeah. and you know, all that kind of stuff that we needed to do. Um, okay. So somebody hands you $1,000, Bill. All your bills are set for a month, for the month. Somebody hands you a thousand dollars. What are you going to do with it? Um, Don't say go to Disneyland. <laughs> that's about exact- what it costs to get in now. <laughs> is it, how much is it? It's like a hundred dollars a ticket, right? Hundred dollars a ticket, yeah. yeah. Per day, per, per park. park. Yeah. yeah. God, this is why I'm glad I'm friends with a guy down at Disney. Yeah. Um, right now, I would buy another Einstein and put the other half away. But no, actually, probably I would. At the moment, I would probably just put it all away. No, you um, have to spend it. Oh, I have That's to spend it? That's the point. Um, okay, well, then I'd, I'd, I'd buy another one or two Einsteins because I really like that light. They're really nice. good. Nice. Uh, it's a simple thing, but I would do that and then uh, uh, sell my Alien Bees, which I'm in the process of selling. Uh, All right. Just because I want a consistent set. Uh, yeah, yeah. But again, that's a, there's an example of something. It's like, is there anything wrong with, I mean, other than doing the high-speed stuff and whatever it is, like me mixing my old Alien Bees with my new Einstein? No, absolutely not. Like, that's what I've been doing for months now. Right. You know, would I like, you know, I've got a, a, a couple shoots for this magazine this week. It's like, would it be easier to have two Einsteins? Because then, you know, I could match stuff and maybe get that little thing that goes on the camera so I can control them from camera and like all this crap. It's like... See, but you get stuck in that stuff and you start buying crap you don't need, quote unquote, you know? Right, right, right. It's, it's, a, it's a tough, tough thing to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do I feel – I will tell you that um, uh, my partner is exceptionally good about that kind of stuff. Like this morning I was, I was, I was uh, standing outside. Uh, she was taking a shower. I was standing outside and I was, I was reading something. She gets out of the shower. She's like, what are you reading? I was like, I'm trying to find bags – that'll hold two Einsteins in the thing, like a soft bag that I can sling over my shoulder. And I was like reading some Flickr post about, you know, people were arguing over like what bag fits that best. Right. Right. And, and she was like, Oh, well, you know, how much does another one of those cost? Well, $500. She's like, okay. You know, it wasn't like a, how you think you're going to spend $500. It was, it was right. like, Oh, right, right, well right. do what you need to do. You know? So I think there's also a certain level of trust, you know, sure. sure. That, that people do or do not have in you. And that may be on them. You know, like there are plenty of people I know who save every single penny and do nothing with their money and they're probably going to die with a lot of money in the bank, but never having done anything with it. So, right. so right. there's, it's, it's all the way you look at the world. Uh, sure. Greg, Greg Connors, 
I know Bill and Jeffrey are fancy, but here's a question well, for both of you. Bill's fancy. I'm not if fancy. You, if you could take a three-day master class with any living photographer, who would you choose? Gregory Crudson. Period. Full stop. Yeah, really? Okay. Yes. Um, because I, I think it would be not only technically amazing, but I think it would be psychologically interesting, emotionally yeah. challenging. Uh, and and he just he just strikes me as as such a cool and interesting person that I think I think I think the photography end of it would be would be ancillary to to what I would get out of it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you. <sighs> Uh, I, I mean, everyone says that Jay's little three day things or four day things are amazing. Maisel's, uh, oh, yeah. like yeah. life changing. Yep. Um, but I mean, it, it, we're assuming that any of these living photographers give such a class. Um, I'd probably go with Heisler or Dan Winters. Um, probably Dan Winters, but, uh, Heisler a close second, uh, if Arnold Newman was still alive, I would choose Arnold Newman. Well, you can't because he's dead living. Yeah. Uh, Edward right. Kerr. Hey, 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 hey. You hey. have more? You did You did that one. I get to do this one. Oh, I, oh did I read that you're one? Always, you're always taking my thunder, man. Oh, you're right. We switched. Go ahead. Edward Kerr. Uh, I find the whole, uh, here are the rules to making great photographs, but the rules are meant to be broken stance. Very confusing. Is it meant as a cop out? I.e. there are rules, but we don't want to admit there are. Or are there really no rules and following the rules will mark you as an amateur? What do you got? I think that uh, rules like things like the rule of thirds and whatnot are handy uh, shortcuts to improving your work in a short amount of time and, and ways for people to explain concepts that are hard to explain without a simple rule. Um, you know, I was, I was actually thinking about this a lot because when you take two and four part harmony classes and six part harmony classes in, in music school, there's all these like rules to like how leading tones and things moving in next to each other and parallel fifths. And there's all these like rules that you're not supposed to do, but invariably everyone always points to Bach who, who's, you know, well-tempered clavier and the rest His preludes and fugues are sort of the quintessential examples of this kind of stuff. And there are always things that he does in his that break the rules, but still work, you know? And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, the rules exist. And yeah, you know, if you know, if you know enough to break them, but if you're that far along, you're not thinking about the rules anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like I, I think they're a shortcut for people who are starting out, but anytime you see a listicle that has rules for anything, whether it's relationships or photography or how to use social media, you know, how to, how to uh, SEO your website, almost invariably those are short sighted and, and, and simplified. Um, I, you know, I don't think about a lot of rules, but I guess a lot of them are baked into the way I think nowadays, mm -hmm. you know, it must be, the, I mean, you've got to feel the same way now. Um, well, I, okay. One thing in here that, that he's got Mark, you as an amateur, I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of bummed out that, that the word amateur has been relegated to, uh, meaning less than, or someone right. who's not as good or serious or talented or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's become kind of a pejorative thing when, when in, in reality, the, the whole meaning of the word for the love of, you know, doing it for the love of it, that should be why you do it. Yeah. In some ways, we need an amateur professional. Yeah, yeah. Which is the sense um, I do it for the love of it, but I also how I make my living. 
Right. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. I've, I've forgotten a lot of the rules. I mean, sure, there are, I guess, compositional rules, but... And there are probably there are probably rules to how to lay this kind of paint on side of that kind of layer yeah, that maybe. you don't even think about that yeah. still exists. And 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 are they are they simply to give us a baseline of aesthetics? I don't know. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I, don't I know. mean, I think that they are rules in the same way that say, you know, you should always shake the person's hand when you meet them or whatever. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, you look, know, all this I stuff bet is, you, Right, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who don't, you know, sh- shake the person's hand who are not found to be rude. Right. You know, right. For whatever reason. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, they're just it's 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 they're fake. guidelines. You know, it's yeah. not like you're you're building concrete bridges where you where you should adhere to the rules of concrete pouring and metallurgy. And, yeah. you know, these are these are, you know, I, if I don't compose by rule of thirds, yeah. the world's not going to end. Yeah. People aren't going to get hurt. In many ways, breaking the rules is what makes things interesting. But sure. you also get in a situation where if all you ever do is follow the rules, then what you end up with is a, you know, a perfectly punctuated piece on absolutely nothing. Sure. Yeah, that's you a know? potential. Yeah, sure. Right. Uh, mm, in fact, that's, interesting. A, that's, a, that's a funny that's title. A, yeah, it is. <laughs> Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> uh, what do you got? Uh, you're next. And doing two things at once. Okay. Uh, okay, where are we? We are care. Okay, Lawrence Janice. This is an impossible question. We may have to table this one for next week too. Uh, what would your million dollar budget, one month time limit artwork project be? Explain what, where, who, how, and why. Yeah, let's Can we table think about that. that and, yeah, and that's talk a about good it next one, time. That's a really good one. Yeah, let's do that one next. Okay, all right. So should I read the next one, or do you want to take the next? No, one? you go ahead. Go ahead. Read. I don't want to. Uh, Fernando you. Carvalho de Silva, our good friend uh, over yeah, in Portugal. Uh, if you need a camera strap, he's yeah, the guy that? to, uh, it's a nice strap. Yeah, it is. Uh, 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 what is it? What is it? Oh, we'll put, uh, we'll new, find new it. East, new, 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 leather. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're terrific straps. Uh, can you, can the help of a local person drive you to be inspired? Have you ever had the, this experience? And he was, I think he was talking about somebody in Cuba or somewhere he was visiting mm-hmm. where uh, he had a local bring him around and show right. him a bunch of like stuff. Like a fixer, I think he called him. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do you, have you had this happen? Uh, well, when you go visit places, like when we were in uh, Philadelphia, it's like, oh, we're going to go to this place because this is the place to go or whatever. Right. Yeah, sure. I can't. I, th- I think, I think, I think that's, that's a great way to go. You know, I think it depends what kind of experiences you want to have. Yeah. You know, sometimes being around a local person stops, it takes away some of the mystery of just sort of exploring on your own. So I think that, I think that that's a double-edged sword. It can go either way. Yeah. Um, maybe they can tell you what areas to avoid though for sure. safety yeah, yeah. reasons or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But does that drive you to be inspired? Um, I think it can. Yeah. Uh, I feel like um, photographers as a lot tend to be more loner explorers than followers of somebody else who's walking them around. Mm-hmm. Is that unfair? Um, I don't know. Gosh, probably not. I mean, yeah, cause you're, 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 you're always looking, you're always searching. You're always, I mean, that's the, the sort of, that's the gig, right? Yeah. 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 yeah you're yeah. You're looking at the world through, through, this this piece of glass 
so yeah, you're hunting, you're, you're looking, you're, you're, I, I, yeah, sure. Why not? But I think, yeah. I think going to a new area, you know, uh, it helps to have a local, you know, in, in just something as simple as going up to Portland, you know, I mean, it was, it was terrific to have, uh, Preston take the time to, to show me different areas and say, okay, well, you know, here's, here's where you want to avoid if you're, if you decide to move up here or, or here's a, a great restaurant or here's a great area right, to right, go right. shoot. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, that, the, that can be overwhelming without a little bit of inside knowledge. It's true. Uh, you know? when, you know, when I was out in, uh, Seattle last year, uh, John Cornicello, uh, picked me up at the, at the hotel and we drove around for a couple hours and I went back to his house and we talked and he showed me a bunch of places I wouldn't have been able to get to, you know? Um, and that was super fun and I, you know, made a new friend, but I wouldn't want my entire trip being that kind of stuff. Right. You know? So right. it's, 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 it's a mix of the two. Um, yeah, it's good. Uh, all right. Next question. Uh, what are we at? Tom in Michigan, Tom in Michigan, Tom in Michigan. Wow, Tom, what are you doing writing in? Did was it did you transcribe this from a from a voicemail? Uh no, he sent an email. All Tom. right. Damn it, Tom. <laughs> Not kidding. Uh all right. If you could if you dare to get a little techie, could you talk about histograms a bit? <laughs> I think I basically understand that they are a graphic representation of the different values of things in the image, but I'd love to hear how you use them. Do you do you use histograms when you shoot? Do you refer to uh, them at all? I do when I'm setting up lights and things mostly to make sure the nice thing about histograms is that it's an objective view of the data and not what you're seeing on the screen necessarily. Mm -hmm. So the screen could be way off brightness wise of what you're what you're actually capturing. But as long as the histogram looks right, that's all you have to worry about. Um, so histograms for people who don't know is, is a graphic visualization of of the amount of energy in the picture at different uh brightnesses so on the left think black on the right think white and if you see a whole build up of stuff on the left that means there's a lot of shadow and blackness in the image build up on the right means it's more bright and highlights and you can generally see if things get clipped at the top or the bottom because you'll have sort of a straight up and down bar all the way at the ends um uh, th this is a useful way to see uh, where your exposure is. I mean, you know, ideally on a normal scene, you want things to be sort of in the middle and expanding towards the ends. You don't want it to be too far to one end or the other. Um, a kind lot of, of people, kind of a bell curve type of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on the scene, right? Of course, but mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people in digital will tend to try to do to the expose to the right, which means you want to overexpose up to the point where you're going to clip highlights and then bring it down later in post, you'll get less noise and better image quality and all the rest of it. Um, Cause the thing about digital pictures is that the stuff in the shadows is sort of the least significant bit digitally. So there there's less information in the shadows than there is in the highlights just because of the way that it, it builds up the, the, the bits in the data. Anyway, mm -hmm. long story short, um, you can use this as just, it'll show you just like a black and white representation of it, or you can even have it show you different channels. So it'll show you the same thing for the red, green, and blue channels. And it might be clipping in one channel, but not clipping in the black and white. It's all very handy. Um, I do use them sometimes, especially when I'm doing stuff that's really shadowy. So, Sometimes I will overexpose and pull it back a little bit so that I have a little bit more data in the shadows without without getting a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. um, although I don't, I'm not 
anal about it. I want it to look right. I don't want it to measure right. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a handy thing, uh, but it's just a tool like any other. It's, it's like a scope in videos or, or, or meters in audio, you know? Sure. Sure. It's like a handy way to double check what you should already know from the other information you have. Um, let's see. Andrew Lossing, would you agree or disagree with the statement? Quote, every photographer is an amateur when shooting for himself. End quote. The idea being whether you're a professional career in it or not, uh, you're never be, uh, become a master at work you do for yourself, nor could you because it's self-expression and self-expression is a continuing process, not an end result. What do you think? Uh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's semantics, I guess, but sure. Yeah. You know, if, if you're doing it for yourself, but then again, uh, you know, the stuff I do for my clients, I'm learning new stuff all the time, you know? So yeah, but you still love it. You still, you, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, but I'm saying that he, what he's saying here is, oh, you're saying because I love it, I'm learning stuff. But if I was taking pictures of doodads in a white tent all day long, I would, it wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be learning. Probably not. I mean, yeah. it would, it, I, I would imagine it would become rote at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. Um, yeah, every every photographer is an amateur when shooting for himself. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because they love it. I guess in the basic definitions. I mean, sure. if you're shooting, if if you're not, then why would you be shooting for yourself? Right. Yeah. Why would you be doing it? Good yeah. point. Sort yeah. of a self whatever. Uh, All right. Jake Sorensen uh, with the democratization of photography, where everyone is a photographer and can share their work uh, intently. Maybe that should be instantly with the world. Has photography become too pedestrian? Uh, to be taken seriously anymore on any given day the front page of 500 pixels is made up uh, almost entirely of landscapes cityscapes and naked women granted beautiful landscapes and women but mostly (laughs) shot in the same style you could take the top 500 images of the day combine them into two or three portfolios and easily convince people that all of those photographs came from two or three photographers other sites have similar issues uh, or fave for fave mentalities if you participate in photo sharing sites such as 500 pixels or Flickr, you're, are you just contributing to the noise or is there some signal cutting through the static? Do you think that it's a problem that so many people seem to be chasing the same aesthetic? What do you got? Uh, I think there's kind of two questions here. Uh, cut it off at if you participate in the photo sites, are you just contributing the noise and go back to the does all this, right. a lot of that stuff look the same? Yeah, a lot of it does look the same to me. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I think that that is part and parcel of uh, you know, not the non-pejorative use of the word, or actually maybe the pejorative worse of the word use of the word amateur in mm-hmm. the sense that it's somebody who is doing it on the side and they're trying to get better and better and better, but better and better and better to them means, you know, smoother looking waterfall stuff by, you know, getting ND filters and getting the exact perfect exposure of this place, you know? Sure. Um, so there's a lot of that. I mean, all those pictures that are on there, they're beautiful and they're perfect, quote unquote, but they're completely forgettable, you know, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think that Jake is right. Uh, and if you participate in those sites and uh, are you just contributing to the noise? I guess there's some signal cutting through the static because there are photographers on Flickr whose work I think is really beautiful sure. and different looking. Sure. Um, but I think that there is a lot of noise by definition. You know, yeah. Uh, I think that I mean that kind of gets back to the rules thing, where just because something is perfect doesn't mean that it's good. Right, right. Um, 
and there's a lot of perfect quote unquote stuff up there. Yeah. Um, uh, do you think it's a problem that so many people seem to be chasing the same aesthetic? I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think it's a problem in the sense that it's something you can fix. I think it's an inherent part of, uh, of, of, of having a democratized artistic medium. Sure. You know, and, and I mean, it's, you know, if, 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 uh, you know, I know we pick on HDR sometimes, but if, if HDR is, is the rage, then, then, yep people are going to want to participate in that because that's what's getting the love and the views sure. and the hugs and the this yeah. and the that. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, I, you know, I've, my friend Amy is, uh, teaches painting classes, uh, and you know, how many of the, and, and she does beautiful work, you know, painting birds and painting flowers and doing all this kind of stuff. But like how many of the people she's teaching who are 60 year old empty nesters who are retired, are going to turn the world on fire with their paintings of birds and whatever it is. They just want to get good at painting birds so they can give one to their niece, you know, or whatever. Right. Uh, It doesn't, it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to be saying something. You and I think that we, you should try to be saying something, but some people get hang, get hung up on the, the, uh, you know, the, the words they use to try to say it rather than trying to get the, the, the sentiment, right. Sure. Um, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think. Yeah. If I, if I understand you correctly, I think. Yeah. Uh, wow. Time's clicking away. All right. Matheson. We got one. All right. Last, uh, one last one. Uh, I'll do one. You do one. Okay. Okay. Sure. So Bill Wadman, when doing personal work for portraits, what do you look for? Oh, this is a good one. What do you look for in the sitter? What is it that attracts you to want to photograph a certain individual Think to your list, quote unquote, of those people you want to photograph. Why them? Uh, I think there's uh, okay. So there's two things here. If I'm looking for people to photograph, who, assuming for the moment that they're not like famous people or whatever, right? Uh, those people I want to photograph because I think that they look interesting. It's often that simple, right? Mm-hmm. They're either attractive or they have a cool look to the crags in their face or whatever it is. Um, when it comes to the list of the people I want to photograph, mostly it's because I want to meet them and talk to them, honestly. Right. And the photograph is a, is a secondary thing. It's it's a way to be able to, you know, hang out with whoever, with James Burke, say. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. So, so yeah, I mean, I have a list. I think it's – in fact, I still think it's up. I think BillWadman.com slash list maybe. Um where I've created, yep, there it is. I'll put it in the show notes, uh, is a list of people. And it's, you know, it's Bill Joy and Freeman Dyson and Michio Kaku. But it's also, you know, Leonard Cohen and Todd Rundgren and Bill Nye and, you know. Right, um, right, right, right. So it's 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 people all over the place. It's Tobias Freer Drones. It's Spencer Tunick, you know. So uh, it is it, – there are – it's it's – it's actors and artists and, and writers and thinkers and people that, that I just think would be really fascinating to meet because they were a big part of my life in some way or in my formation, you know? Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I tell you, like most of the people that I've met who have been on my list have been incredibly nice and sweet and good people and I'm glad I've met them. So, so really it's, it's that simple in that case. It's not anything like some deeper level in some ways – you know, photography is a superficial medium, you know, sure. as much as we think otherwise. 
Uh, Jeffrey Sidoris, what drives you to want to talk to people? Is it more than just interesting stories? Uh, once you find someone with an interesting story, how do you prepare to engage with them further? What do you do? Uh, you, you come up with questions beforehand or do you come up with questions and move to them whether it makes sense within the conversation or not? Um, okay, well, the, the first part, uh, what drives you to want to talk to people? Because I spend most of my life by myself. Yeah. So I, I like, you know, engaging with, with people whenever I can. I find people interesting. You know, is it more than just either us or yourself? (laughs) Yeah. Is it, is it more than just interesting stories? Uh, sometimes because sometimes I don't, I don't know the stories. Sometimes I just find the person interesting from a distance and, and I make the assumption that there must be some interesting stories behind that, you know, whether they are writers or songwriters or, or, uh, you know, artists or, you know, whatever, um, once you find someone with an interesting story, how do you prepare? Uh, it depends on the person. You know, sometimes sometimes the, the preparation, there is no preparation because a conversation just unfolds. Right. You know, um, one of the people that I have talked to uh, in, in recently was I got a chance to talk to Nate from Pips, who's the owner, the owner of Pips. And I said, look, I, I, you know, I, I would love to talk to you further, but it came out of having a conversation just standing at pips and, and talking about how it came to be, you know, in two years ago, he was, he was uh, making custom guitars and, you know, his, his wife was, his wife is a, a caterer and they were looking for a space for her catering business. And, and the sort of aha moment was, was prior to that, they were at, um, another event and they'd had these little, these little donuts and these little donuts stuck with them. And, you know, a plus B added up to Q and two years later, they've got this incredible little donut business. And by Q, you mean delicious donuts. Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, or the other, one of the other people I talked to up there was, was, uh, uh, John, uh, whose grandfather started uh, a haberdashery business in 1921 and and the conversations just unfold. So some people I find them interesting and want to know more. Some people I just run into and they happen to be interesting and a conversation unfolds. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. But in terms of research, you know, a lot of times uh, if I know who I'm going to be talking to beforehand and I, and I know that there has been uh, either something written about them or they've done other interviews or, or they have, they themselves have done work that I find interesting. I'll go research that. I'll read or listen or watch the interviews that they've done one so that I can learn a little bit more about them, but two, so I don't ask them the same questions over and over and over again. You know, if I am, or if I, if I am ever, uh, uh fortunate enough to interview Shepard Ferry, I'm not going to ask him how he got his start because everybody asks him how he got his start. And I'm sure he's right. tired of telling the story of, you know, cutting out stickers and making stencils. And I I don't care about any of that because you can go to 50 different places and get that. Yeah. I think that that is one of the ways that, um, interviews need to change in the digital age is that you used to have to start out with all that stuff. Right. And now you can access so much of it. There was, you know, sometimes I, I, I subscribe to Nerdist, even though I don't like a lot of the times he does conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, because he takes it very freeform where whatever happens, happens, sort of. Right, you know? right. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, it's really awkward for me, so I turn it off. Uh, um, I agree, yep. But when it does work, it's really great. So it's 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 a similar kind of thing. And there's a lot of times where he's just like, uh, 
I want to ask you about this, but I'm not going, I don't want to go here because I know this already. Right. I want to, you know, so it's, 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 it's similar kind of thought process to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and you're right. You, yeah. you can get access to all that information. You know, even, yeah. even talking to someone like David Dushman, who I find endlessly fascinating, you know, I'm not going to ask him about, so tell me about the accident in Venice or in Italy or whatever, you know, yeah, because yeah, yeah. he's talked about that on 15 different podcasts because people keep asking yeah. him about it. And you ever notice sometimes when you do hear somebody speaking on multiple podcasts, it's like this, it's the same story the same way because they've told it so many times. Right. That is sort of a stock answer. Right. And that's, uh, that's not, you know, it, it might be interesting if you've heard that for the first time, but you can't make the assumption that yeah. this is the first time. Uh, although as, uh, as Merlin Mann always says, there's always, there's, there's, there's somebody born every day who's never seen the Flintstones, you know? So that's, that's the flip side, right? Is sure. That, you know, it's, it's a, t- it's definitely a tough call no matter how you swing it. I would rather point someone in the show notes to other yeah. interviews. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you'd like to, if you'd like to learn how Shepard Ferry got his start, go here, here, and here. Yep. Yep. Fair you enough. Know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, Good. All right, so this is fun. I know. I like these Q and A's. They're fun. Yeah, they're fun. Thank you guys. We should for make it more in. regular, like maybe over a couple months or something, because we went a little long this time. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got a Squarespace uh, sponsor. So let's uh, let's talk about Squarespace. 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 Square. Oh, there's a dog. That dog even likes Squarespace. See. <laughs> Look at that. Where's Barking for, Where's bark for Squarespace. You want a Hashtag treat? bark you want, for Squarespace. You want a treat? You want a treat? You want a website that goes up in minutes? Huh? Do you, girl? Do you? Oh, 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 oh. See? Okay, that was you. Yeah. I, <laughs> Squarespace is it's like Lassie. <laughs> What's that, girl? Billy doesn't want to code his own website? What's that? <laughs> Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. I have to say that I've uh, been using Squarespace now for my main site for about a year, and it has been excellent. Um, simple, powerful, beautiful. You got 24-7 support via online chat and email. Einline? What is Einline? Did I say Einline? Kind of. Is that like uh, is that German for online? <laughs> das ist Einline. <laughs> I don't know. I probably just offended uh, somebody, so I'm sorry. Nice. I was just playing. I was playing. Uh, versus versus live chat and email. Uh, it's only $8 a month, so you get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for a year. Uh, they got responsive design, so your website scales to look great on any device. Uh, they got e-commerce, so every website comes with a free online store. Uh, and cover pages, which is a really great new feature uh, that allows you to set up a beautiful one-page online presence in just minutes. Uh, Squarespace is, is amazing how easy it is. In fact, that, that list that I put in the show notes, uh, this, uh, billwadman.com slash list, it's not, it's, it's, it's on my site, but I don't link to it directly on the nav because it's not important enough to be on my main nav. Uh, but I can send people to it or link to it from somewhere else on my site. It's like just amazing the power that exists. You know, you can have stuff that's not even linked where a lot of other systems like this sort of, uh, ham fist you into doing it the way they want you to do it. So, uh, go check out Squarespace. You can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. And when you decide to sign up, uh, make sure you use the offer code OTP uh, to get ten percent off your first purchase and show your support for on taking pictures. So Yay. thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting Five by Five and not taking pictures. Chick Korea, that's, that's Squarespace. Cool build it beautiful. Yeah, Chick Korea would be cool. 
Graham, you Shikaria. have some cool people on your list. I do have good people on my list. Uh, I, I, I once saw Chick Corea at uh, Blue Note. This was, I don't know, maybe probably 10 years ago now. And he came in. It was a solo show. And he sits down at the piano. And he's just like, yeah, you know, I've been playing with – shoot, it wasn't Scriabin. It was some other early 20th century Russian guy. Anyway, let's say it was Scriabin. He he was like I, I was playing with these this book of etudes and I just like to play something for you and he opens up the book and he starts and he reads the first I don't know say thirty two bars of this very complicated very uh, structured uh, classical sort of etude right and as he gets further and further in he starts going more and more off book and improvises for ten minutes wow. and then blends back into the last eight bars and finishes as written. Nice. And it was, it was one of those things where you just sit back and you go, mm-hmm. And that is why he's Chick Corea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, so how did people do on the assignment last week? There was an assignment last week? <laughs> yeah. Someplace new. I'm Somewhere new? No, it's good. Uh, lots of lots of cool stuff. Uh, detail shots, big shots. Uh, looks like people really got out and and kind of explored. And yeah, that's fun. That's great. Yep. Um, lots of great stuff. Uh, we're we're getting a little long on time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of blaze through it. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so this week, this week, this week, faceless portrait. Faceless portrait faceless portrait so this could be a portrait of a person a place a thing faceless portrait have fun with it uh that's a tough one it is it is a tough one well it could be a tough one i guess faceless portrait i have an idea all right uh so yeah they're just uh, man you guys continue to to amaze with the quality of the work that you're putting up on the group and Please keep putting it up there. And the commentary is great. Uh, very thoughtful. Uh, it's, it's helpful. It's a great um, community. It really is. It really yeah. is. Um, in so, fact, I think that in the end, that will be what we're most proud of. I would not disagree with that. Yeah. I would not disagree with that at all. Uh, photographer of the week? Photographer of the week. You got this. William Albert Allard. Heard of him. You, you know this guy? Heard of him. Yep. Uh, big, uh, national geographic photographer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which every once in a while we pull one of these guys out and I like to pull out these guys, especially him, man, he's good. Yeah. Uh, because I, I feel like in, in, in our conversations about how wonderful, you know, all the stuff is on 500 pixels and stuff. Sometimes you look at this stuff and you go, Oh, right. People have been really good for a long time. And some of them are stand out good you know yes are are, like his go out to the out west section that's that's probably my favorite gallery holy cow yeah i mean it is ridiculously good um i do you ever feel like because of the time in which we grew up like late 70s 80s right that there is a certain built-in nostalgia for these these color national geographic photographs and their style and their look sure. and that whole Kodachrome thing. Sure, sure, sure. That we gravitate towards because it's like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I remember seeing when I was a kid. And they're much better photographs than I gave them credit for as a child. Uh, probably, yeah. 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 I mean, this this series in particular, and uh, look, for me, it's 
I, I have, I have had a resonance with the West. I've had an affinity for the American West since I was a kid because that's Arizona is where I spent summers. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Sure. So you know, I I have I have always been drawn to the topography, the 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 people, the colors, the smells yeah. um, of of the American West. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So these things really and Jesus, the color in these is fantastic. Well, it's that it's that it's that whole Kodachrome thing. Uh, composition is great. I mean, it just. Yeah. Um, I, that picture, if you go to Untouchables, there's the picture of the guy who's like coming out of the sewer. Over oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I have that picture in a book of portraits, National Geographic portraits that I have on my shelf, and it always kills me. I'm like, imagine if it was your lot in life to clean sewers because that's yeah. just what you were born to, you know? Uh, it's just it's just on kind of another level, and to some extent, a lot of this stuff was shot. I mean, a lot of it's in the two thousands and stuff, but there's a lot of older stuff, which was at a time when not everyone was walking around with a camera all the time. You know, true, true, where true. A photographer going somewhere to take pictures was something special and not what everyone who drove through town was doing. Um, and there's something of, interesting about that to me. Yeah. And I, one of the other things that I, about, about these kinds of guys uh, and girls is the revisiting of a place to re-explore and renew yep. your, you know, uh, Preston and I were talking about that uh, over the, the last week where, you know, he, he will go back to a place and see it in a different way. And, and we were talking about how, how your brain can only take in so much, right? And, right? and ends up sort of filtering out some of the things. But when those things that are filtered out change, it opens up it opens up new possibilities yeah. for you to explore and see. Yeah. And you, you look at portfolios of work by some of these guys who went back over and over year after year and saw the place differently and were allowed to see the place differently and were allowed to, to revisit people. And, and I think that builds a very interesting body of work. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And you're right. It's, it's sort of, um, Sometimes you don't see things that are right in front of your eye until you leave and come back. It's like if you go back to your hometown you grew up in, you know, you'd see things differently. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, wow, you know, that store was a lot smaller than I remember it being. Or yeah, I never noticed yeah. that sign was – that sign has been there forever and I never noticed the symmetry of this and whatever, you know. Um, yeah, the set from the, the Basques set. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Gorgeous. It's, and, uh, and, and you look through them, not all, not all of them. In fact, a majority of them, not sharp focus. There's the, you're yeah. not looking at per pixel sharpness. You're looking at intent. You're looking at at yep. gesture. You're looking at light and shadow. You're looking yeah. at form. You're looking at composition, and and some of the things that we chase so vigorously become secondary or even tertiary to the magic of these photographs. Yeah, the the girls running home uh, yep. in the Basques thing is like insane. It looks like yeah. a painting. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's that it's that uh, it's that light. Uh, anyway, great stuff. There's a, wow, there's a a link, some links in the show notes, um, Wikipedia article. There's a little video he did on Petapixel and you just sent me, uh, the candid frame interview yeah, with Ibarrio him. Yeah, next interviewed him and yep. it's a, it's a terrific conversation. So, so maybe so, we can include uh, that too. Yeah. I will put it in the show notes and, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so I think we're good. We're, we're way over. So let's, let's table the rest of it till next week. 
Yep. Sorry uh, for the long one, guys. Uh, we've been trying to keep them down, but there were some great questions this week. I, I think I think every once in a while the Q and A shows are good because you can turn them off and come back. You know. Right. Yeah. You're not going to like uh, you know miss anything. Sure. Right. Just stop when we start asking a question and come back later. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, no. Podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, Bill Wadman, Jeffrey Sidoris, and uh, go out and take some pictures. Have a good time. Enjoy. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> yourself. That's right. Uh, yeah. Have a good time, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. So I can hear